because you're jumping back into the gut. All right. Hey, Coach. Welcome to the Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Oliver. I appreciate you joining us for this week's podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit basketballimmersion.com for more coaching resources and access to all the basketball podcasts. I hope you will give us a shout out on social media, on Twitter at Bball Immersion, or on Instagram at Basketball Immersion to help me continue to share the game. Enjoy the episode. Coaches, this is awesome. We've got Phil Beckner back with us. Uh, Phil was on a past basketball podcast and uh, currently a player development consultant for numerous NBA players, helping them to perform at their highest level, both personally and professionally. And, uh, you know, Coach, now it's going back, uh, you know, 10 plus years that you've uh, worked with Damian Lillard and that uh, obviously being the most famous of all your clients. But we're going to dive into that and so much more with this. So thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Chris. Love what you do. Love how you try to grow the game and obviously I'm a big listener of all the guys you get on but I appreciate you having me well I appreciate you coming back on and uh, you know when we talked about some of these ideas to talk about I mean obviously a lot of it starts from what Damian Lillard is doing and has done since last we were on the podcast but let's start from even the more basic part which I think is so important and the the difference between a coach and a trainer because you having college coaching experience, professional coaching experience, and now being an NBA development coach, can you talk about that advantage? Yeah, I think uh, now, um, you know, one, one phrase we actually live by in, in the whole trainer versus coach deal, and, and it's kind of become a burden or mission for me to connect more trainers and coaches, you know, because there's such a bad stigma on social media, you know, about, um, you know, the, the, the guys who are using hula hoops and cones and tennis balls, all this crazy, you know, stuff, hot air balloons, whatever it may be. But uh, so, so it's a big burden and passion of mine to, to get coaches and trainers connected and almost merge that term because as coaches, um, you know, what we want to do, we, we just want to lead these guys to be the best version of themselves, both on and off the court. And whenever we do that, everyone ends up being successful. And too many times that that trainer and coach tag is getting separated. But I, I think the advantage it creates for me and, you know, even someone like Dame or Wes Matthews, some of these guys I work with call me their trainer. Um, my, my background is coaching. So I, I've put in offensive systems. I've put in defensive systems. of done player development, you know, at the Division One level, um, coaching college guys a bunch. But I think you just have two things one a a different view of the game you know not not just from an individual standpoint you get like maybe what coverages they're facing what the other team's trying to get them to do what what they're forcing them into but then two you just and and you're a coach Chris you've won a bunch of games like you get the coach's perspective like the coach is trying to win a game they're not just trying to make sure you know Wes Matthews hits five threes or Damian Lillard scores 30 points or you know different guys like that do really really well and and that's just an important aspect that you know a lot of guys are missing nowadays in the training profession well I like that and I got to think the the biggest thing is that you can connect skills to the game a lot easier and potentially a lot more effectively for players because that has got to be the key part for all trainers is that connecting what you're doing in these training sessions that actually help the player in a game Absolutely. And, you know, what, what kind, and, and obviously you work really, really hard on, you know, your stuff with that, with basketball immersion. And I think what we're finding um, now is what used to be normal is now the exception, meaning people don't do what used to be normal with the things that used to be done a lot. Like they're not doing it in anymore as much like back in the day, footwork, basic ball handling, you know, pivot series, uh, simple moves, effective moves, like, 
everyone kind of wants to do things for the highlight for, you know, the Instagram, whatever it may be. And, and I think now to, to get those things connected to the game, if you have a coaching experience or a coaching background, I, I have um, younger trainers or younger guys reach out all the time wanting to come to Phoenix and work for free or be, be mentored by me. And they're like, what can I do to be a better trainer? What can I do to be a better skill development coach? And, and Chris, I, I'd be interested to see if you agree on this. But um, the number one thing I tell them to do is go coach a team. Go be an assistant somewhere. Work for someone like Chris Oliver, who's been a head coach, or Phil Beckner, who's coached at the college level as an assistant. But the more you could coach and work for someone, like another leader ahead of you, the more you'll progress and the more you'll advance in helping players develop. Well, I agree 100%. And I think that's something that generally is missing often. In, in the stuff that we see on Instagram, et cetera, is that just a lot of these trainers, they can put together a good physical workout. But again, is it actually connecting the information to the game? And that's where, as you said, so much value to coaching a team. Coach, another curious question is, what goes into you choosing who to work with? You know, obviously you're in high demand now, and I'm wondering about your process in terms of who you choose to work with. Yeah, I, I think um, it goes a little bit back to just, you know, kind of what, what you just mentioned, but, you know, developing guys, getting things to connect. Um, one, one thing we've been really successful about is, is we, you know, we, we retain our players. Like guys don't want to go work with other uh, trainers or we don't really lose clients. But unfortunately, too, there are some guys we don't allow back. And I think, um, you know, hitting on what you just said, you know, about coaches and um, working for another coach or being able to develop guys. If guys truly don't want to get better, um, we really don't want to work with them. We, we, we have a phrase that we say, and um, some other coaches have said this before, but our way is not for everybody. Um, because, you know, like right now, and, you know, kind of why we're doing this podcast, there's so much uh, notoriety and um, media attention and people reaching out about Damian Lillard and shooting the deep three. And, and, and that's just one aspect of his development. We, we work with guys who really want to be the best version of themselves, both on and off the court. And that might be a little old school or it might be a little different, but we're okay with our way not being for everybody. So, so when we pick and choose these guys or, you know, like sometimes we say there, there's almost a waiting list of clients to, to, to get in the gym or to try to get better at, at some of these things we're building, they just, they got to be about the right stuff. They got to be serious about their development and really, really, you know, try to progress in, in an area that's going to make them successful. And it's not just, all about scoring, all about being an all-star, all about being, you know, the, this super attention-getting person, just being the best person to help their team win and to excel in the role that they're needed in. Well, it, it, that's obvious that you spend time on these things beyond basketball because, I mean, you look at someone like Damien, and obviously so much of it we know is about the player and the person and those things, but uh, his confidence and, you know, his, his ability to lead, is probably the thing that's most remarkable and maybe doesn't get enough attention because of how amazing he is on the court. The leadership that he has put into that organization and that team and their, their, their results because of that is absolutely remarkable. Yeah, that's huge. And I, I remember the first time you interviewed me on the podcast, you asked some of the stuff I was studying or some of the 
different stuff we do developmentally. And that's why I think, you know, you're a little ahead of the curve with some of the stuff you bring up and you do. But uh, one, one of the answers I think I gave you is I study a lot of leadership and communication stuff for myself because I need to grow in these areas. And and there's a great phrase my mentor told me, um, Rod Olson, he coaches coaches. And he just said, you can't give away what you don't possess. Like if you're not a good leader, it's going to be hard for your players to be good leaders. Or if you're not a hard worker, man, it's going to be hard for your players um, to work, you know, to work on those things. But at the end of the day, um, we do a lot of stuff behind the scenes for our guys. And again, this is why we, we don't work with everybody because some people don't want this stuff. But um, just using Dame as a leadership example, um, and I'm glad you kind of brought that up, Chris, but like there's times in the game where like Mark Jackson or Jeff and Gundy have this just little 10, 12 second explanation about how great of a leader he is or how he responded to failure or, you know, how he just picked up a teammate, you know, off the floor. We will literally go back, rewind that, listen to it, type it out. And we will send those to Dame like before games. So he hears the great stuff that people are saying about him, but also just reaffirming some of the areas he's grown in. And taking it one step further, developmentally, how you said coaches and, and, and trainers have to kind of connect the dots. I, I've had younger guys who, you know, one issue, a ton of college guys, a ton of pre-draft guys always have to hit is like energy levels, uh, body language and their presence. So we've had projects where we're so worried about them working on their presence or working about working on their body language. We'll send them clips of their body language or definitions of presence, definitions of energy level. So those guys grow on that. And, and, and that's really trying to connect the dots going back to, you know, your original question about coaches and trainers. So the part that I'm going to take out of there, which I want people, I want to highlight because you said this and it's this concept of noticing progress but even for someone like as good as Damian Lillard, you are still doing things that help him notice that what we're working on is working. And that noticing progress is such a valuable part. And I think often misunderstood as well. Can you talk about that? You talked about the one example in terms of typing up some of the things that are said about him. What are some other ways that you notice progress so he knows what his work is paying off? That, that's huge. Um, and and it, like I said, it's not just with Dame, but you know, it, it's with all totally. these guys. We coach. Ke yeah. Ke Kevin Eastman had a phrase I, you know, I studied and read a lot of his stuff growing up, but um, he said, you got to catch them doing something right. Um, and, and I probably looking in the mirror, maybe one of the biggest areas I failed in as a younger coach and as a college coach was just demanding more, criticizing too much and not catching them doing something right. So um, here's a great one, uh, Chris, that, that we've done about stuff they're doing right and trying to build upon strengths. It's not just improving a weakness. You know, we, I, I think you and I might have talked about this before on the on the um, on the first podcast, but we, we have some player development philosophies. And one of them is uh, you got to be great at what you're good at. So, you know, a guy like Dame, he was always good at change pace, change direction. He was always good at shooting the ball. And he was always good at leading his teammates and, and being a great guy. So we want to accelerate the progress in those areas to make them elite strengths, great strengths. And obviously, he's taking his shooting to another level. Change pace, change direction. I think that's displayed in his pick and roll decision making. But then also, you know, his leadership ability. So so one thing we've done with almost every player, and, and this is a pretty cool activity a lot of coaches could do, um, there was a, a, a little poster or a little motivational thing about Kobe Bryant when I was coaching at the, the college level. And it, was, and, and it said five things you should know about Kobe Bryant. 
And they were just five great character traits like any of us could have or any individual in any line of work who's successful or who is elite could have. Like one was work ethic. Another one was competitiveness, you know, just five different traits. So one thing we've done when our players do something well, whether this is an NBA guy like maybe Mikkel Bridges or Anthony Simon, some of the younger guys we've worked with, we'll make a list of five things you should know about Anthony Simons or five things you should know about Mikkel Bridges and make that specific to them about areas they're excelling in and areas they could continue to build off. So maybe one's just like, you know, uh, great communication, uh, you know, being able to communicate with teammates and other ones, uh, unbelievable body language. So we will literally type that out, put a picture on them uh, of them on it, kind of old school and catch them doing something right in those areas, but also in hopes that they're going to grow in those five specific areas as well. So the other part that you're alluding to there, which again is so important for your other clients is to normalize Damien's success, right? To make it seem like it's something you can do. And that's what you're saying there. And that's got to be so powerful. Yeah, it, it, it really is because um, that there's there's certain things we could all control. Like we can't um, like like an example with going back to Dame, like he can't make himself six eleven like Kevin Durant. He can't make himself six eight and a wrecking ball like LeBron James. Like he just can't as much as he lifts or wants to grow or eats right. He can't do those things. But the the shared message that we've really really grown in, and, and he's not just the example for us. He's the ultimate example. He's become the measuring stick as a teammate, a leader, a worker for not only NBA guys to follow, but college guys to follow, um, you know, his example as well. And I think when you look at that, the biggest thing we talk about, like maybe not everyone could shoot from 30 feet like he can or dunk the ball like he can, but those traits, the simple traits that that make him successful, that he's willing to look in the mirror about, the the traits that he's willing to be held accountable um, for, those are traits like any player at any level could have, and it's going to accelerate their progress. It's going to accelerate their development. Take a brief moment to interrupt this podcast to share some information from one of our show supporters. As sports keep coming back, so does your chance to bet on them with our exclusive wagering partner, betonline.ag. Major League Baseball will soon be in full swing, and there are no shortage of ways to get in on the action. BetOnline has all the odds, futures, and props for you to be on. Also, tune in as Floyd Money Mayweather Weather joins BetOnline team in a new segment called The Ice is Right, where he talks about his expansive jewelry collection. He'll give you the chance to win some great prizes and bet on the cost of his bling. Visit betonline.ag today to check out all the odds and up-to-date sports news. Don't forget to sign up and take advantage of all the welcome back to sports bonuses. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Now back to the podcast. So let, let, you mentioned the shooting. So let's let's get into that a little bit so we get into some of the specifics. So uh, again, no, not necessarily to refer to a specific player, but maybe keep it general to start with. Just you've had great success with improving players shooting. What are some of the things or philosophies that you do behind that? Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing we've done that, that we've come up with with all of our players is that we just have a, a system and a program in place. Um, we always talk about a, a simple phrase, high clarity equals high performance. If you know where you're trying to get to, 
when you have to be there, um, how to get there, you're probably going to get there pretty efficiently and pretty effectively. So with shooting the ball, um, I think we've had pretty good results at it. You know, we're not necessarily the best and there's a lot of different ways to do it. But we have found a way that works and we stick to it, Chris. Like we we try to keep it overly simple. Um, and, and I think maybe the, the biggest thing that makes us different is we don't coach every guy the same with shooting the basketball. Like um, you, we're not trying to get every single guy for his jump shot to look like Clay Thompson or to look like Dame or a Steph Curry. Um, and I actually met with an NBA GM a couple years ago and he's talking about shooting coaches. He's like, Phil, there's just so many out there that can almost hurt a player more than he could help them. And so I asked the guy, I said, well, well, what do they do to hurt them? Like, what do they do to screw guys up? And, and he just, he said it really simply. One of the, in my opinion, one of the best GMs in basketball, his team's always successful. And he just said, they try to get everyone to shoot it the same way. And we don't do that. We don't agree with that, you know, with our group and the guys we work with. But what we try to get them to do is shoot it the same way based on their shot and their biomechanics, their body, their body type, their build. We want them to shoot it the same way based on them being individual specific for them. Well, and I'm imagining that that process, too, is 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 very empowering for the player in the sense that they know that you're working specifically on their needs and that's got to be a part of it. So can you talk about that? Like, how do you actually get to that point, that communication point where we're going to make a change and then you convince the player that, Hey, if we make this little change within what you already do, it will improve you. Yeah. Um, Chris, I think someone set you up to ask that question because that's what I used to fail at. That must've been one of my, uh, one of the players must've (laughs) gave you that question because usually it'd be like, Hey, do this, do that. And and there wasn't a lot of communication about it. Um, what what I've learned and especially with players at the pro level that this changed after, you know, college, but, um, what I, what I think in my approach to things like that is it has to be a collaboration but I'm still, you know, I'm still in charge. I'm still leading the way because you're hiring me to help you. You're allowing me to hold you accountable. But this has to be a collaboration because when it comes to working on shooting, I tell guys this, and I think this really, really helps them buy in. And I think this is also one of the biggest indicators of success that trainers and coaches could look for when working with a player. But, but the phrase is, it's my job to think about it and see it. It's your job to feel it. And going back to Dame, like with our foundation shooting series, and, you know, I'm sure we'll get to that. But um, I always say, like, like we won't count certain reps if they're not good based on what I see or based on what the player feels. So, like, if I see it and it's not right and he still makes the shot, we don't count it. But Or if he feels it, he you know, the, the guys will be like, ah, give me one more. So we want to really buy into that collaboration And then the biggest indicator for success is if the player feels it. Like so many times the guys are like, oh, I felt that one. Oh, that one's working. And the behind the scenes work. And I think like the separator, the stuff that really, really makes a difference is um, when I work with guys before we do this stuff, especially with shooting, but with other areas of their development too. Like I I feel like as a coach, you got to earn their trust and earn their respect and then ask for permission. 
I'll be like, hey, I, I don't want to overcoach you today. Or, hey, we'll watch some film. Like every guy I work with, like we always go eat, eat together. And I buy him a book too, like a certain book to read, leadership, motivation, whatever it may be. And based on those dinners, reading a book, we, we could start to develop that rapport to where like, maybe I've earned their respect, I've earned their trust. And now I could ask for permission, like, hey, can we make these tweaks? Can we make these changes? And then like what puts a stamp of approval on it is when they feel it and when they feel it, getting it right. And, and that's probably the biggest, like I said, indicator for success is when they're like, oh yeah, I felt that. that that's what keeps them coming back. And that's what keeps them uh, hungry to wanting to do it way, way more. So diving even deeper into some of the micro detail of that, when you, so work with a player on their shot and you're going to, again, you talked about feel and I could not agree more that the player ultimately has to feel it. And if I would give a player something to work on with shooting, I would say, okay, here's what I think. How does it feel? Is that, it's as simple as that, right? That's what guides your process rather than coming in with all these predetermined notions of what they should do. Absolutely. It is as simple as that. Um, You know, I get to work with the USA junior national team. And I think there's a great coaching term now out there that we use with that team called performance-based questions. But I love what you said. I I think success lies in simplicity. You just got to ask them, like, did you feel that? Or sometimes what I ask, not to bait them, but to really know, I'll I'll just ask, what did you feel? Because as a coach, we want them to feel their hips dropping maybe. And they're like, oh, you know, I, I felt all the force come through my calves. So one, maybe that maybe I don't have their body aligned right, or maybe um, their mind is somewhere else and it's not connected to mine of what we're really, really trying to emphasize. But I couldn't agree more. The, those performance-based questions of what did you feel? How did you feel? How are you feeling it? And even to pose a question to you, what, what, the hardest part though is what happens when you work with those really, really stiff guys who don't feel anything at all? Th- those are the guys that are, that are the hardest to make better and the hardest to make progress with for me. Yeah, no question. I like that performance based. Yes, totally. This is all about that. So let, let's go to the uh, the obvious question we've got to ask, and that's about extending a player's range. And uh, I think this is common, like that I get asked this a lot when I'm out and about, and so especially by young players, they always extend their range. So you can you talk about this process in general terms about working on extending a player's range? Yeah, um, obviously, Dame's made, you know, the biggest uh, notoriety of it right now, because, you know, practically pulling up for half court. And I think that's why a lot of, you know, different NBA teams have reached out to, you know, to pick our brain on what we're doing. Um, I think a lot of more clients are coming or players are coming to try to, you know, work on their shooting and extending their range. Um, The biggest thing, like I always try to give players and coaches about this is just uh, a little bit of a philosophical approach, but like it has to be built from the ground up. Like it has to be built from step one. And and, and we have um, four different progressions or four different distances we'll progress to. And I think too many times, just like in our society now with social media, the speed of things, like everyone wants something really, really fast and extending your range is not built fast. Going back to my mentor again, he has a phrase, things that are built fast aren't made to last. If you don't build it from the ground up um, foundationally and build a really, really good base and progress the right way, I think the results just don't translate. So to give coaches a practical example, so what I watched when I got a chance to watch you work with Damien, uh, which I was grateful for, by the way, 
was to be able to watch you do some, what I would call action reaction type of drills or uh, pre-shot routines where again, slam the ball to the ground, the ball comes back to me with energy and I flow right to my shot. So you're providing him a template to be able to have extra energy into a shot to learn what it feels like to shoot from deep. Is, is that, that's part of the process I'm imagining? Absolutely. And uh, I'm going to steal that word from you. We never used it really before, but it is a template. That's that's a great, great way to put it. Um, because w- what we have, so what you saw, and t- tell me this, did you see us do it from like, like, like those smack ones? We were probably at the elbow or the free throw line starting out right there. Is that correct? So you progressively moved him back. Yes. Yeah. 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 So you develop, and that's, that's got to make sense, right? You want him to have a feel for distance at different places. Yeah. So, so what it is, so our template, like what it is, and and that's what, you know, like I said, people have been reaching out for interviews left and right and wanting to figure this stuff out. And and, and that's why, you know, doing this podcast with you, you guys do such a great job basketball wise and talking about the details and allowing coaches and people to get better. It, it all our template is called the foundation shooting series that's what we've named it and the two aspects that i think are really really good and really really help guys and this isn't just for damian lillard um there, there's a guy um he just finished with his team's not in the bubble finished his season he's been out here for three months now working in phoenix and he's now on um two and a uh, progression two and a half on this distance wise and that's how we look at it we have 10 types of shots for base balance and movement. Like some of the shots you saw, you probably saw five base balance movement ones that day. And then we have 10 types of shots where I love your phrase. uh, You just said the energy coming up from the ball, the reaction type stuff. We have 10 off the bounce as well. And there's specific teaching points in each one. And there's specific movements and motions that the coach has to look for and see and then there's specific movements and motions that the player has to feel going back to our, your previous question there. But within those, what we do, Chris, is yet yeah, we are building those motions and building those movements and those habits from 15 feet in our, our four progression areas are pretty much 15 feet and then 19 feet, you know, just a little bit further, further out from the free throw line or, you know, about high school three, then NBA three. And then what we did, especially for Lillard. And that's kind of where it started. We just taped our own four point line. And I think you saw that in Vegas where, um, you know, it's however many feet behind the NBA line. And a lot of teams, uh, you know, two, three years ago started using that for spacing. And we wanted to get ahead of the curve and say, Hey, we're going to use this to be able to play from this line because it's going to open up so many more options, you know, for you, especially with Dame. So going through those progressions, um, it's progressions based on the type of shot. And again, um, as a coach, seeing the movements and motions and a player feeling the movements and motions. And then the second part of that template, or like we said, of the foundation is the four distances that we go from. And I think um, you've probably heard this, uh, you know, a lot of coaches heard this, like when, when Pistol Pete was growing up, I heard that like his dad would paint a little area around the hoop and he could only shoot there until he could master it. Then like once he got good at that, they'd paint a little bit more on the court and he could shoot a little bit further out. And of course, when dad left, like he would chuck up threes and, you know, a further distance. But 
what we wanted to do with Dame while he's experiencing so many great results from deep and what we're trying to do with all these other guys, again, not trying to get them to shoot it the exact way a Clay Thompson does or a Ray Allen or a Damian Lillard, whoever it may be, but we're trying to get them to shoot the same shot the same way from multiple distances. And that's what I think um, is really profound now and why so many people are reaching out wanting to study this or hear about it because Dame's shot looks the same way from 15 feet to 20 feet to 23 feet, nine to all the way to our, our made up four point line. It's it's that's absolutely so true. And uh, you know, the action reaction part, like basically again, people that know physics, Newton's third law for reaction is equal opposite reaction. The, the, the people miss the boat a little bit about force generation when it comes to shooting and most of it. And I see this in your work when you work with players, most of it has to do with rhythm and not legs. And that's where this ball bounce and some of these other hard last dribble things that you do with Damien, that they help provide him an understanding again of where this force comes from. Uh, can you talk about that hard last dribble, which is another obvious thing when I saw you work out with him? Yeah, uh, great question. Again, this is fun. I know you're a basketball junkie, so it's just amazing. And I think it helps you haven't seen our workout, so you yeah, get it. Oh, tremendous, yeah. That, um, so, so here's what we, here, here's what I say. I think three things affect shooting the basketball the most other than like someone contesting your shot or defense, but one speed, the speed you shoot it at or the speed you're running just like speed. And, and, and we know speed kills in good and bad ways. So if you're driving too fast, you get car accident, it could kill you. Um, if you're a unbelievably fat, fast player on the court, but you're on balance and you could change speeds. Well, you're, it's lethal. You know, you're a lethal player and it's really, really hard guarding you. So the three things we say are speed. The next one is movement, whether you're sliding away from the ball, cutting into the ball, movement of bouncing the ball, kind of like you just hit on. Um, and then the third one is distance. Obviously, the most of the time, the closer you are, the easier it is to shoot it. But those three, we think those three things affect shooting the most that we could work on and we could control. So when you're talking about rhythm um and speed and movement and the ball smacking the floor that energy transfer is so so important so we 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 um we always want to do every drill with a high level of force and you just use that word so when we're smacking the ball if it's a smack to a pivot maybe we want a hard smack and then a hard pivot really really forcefully and what you're having to control and what you're having to feel is the speed and movement. And if you're having to control and feel that, you could usually regulate the accuracy and the distance and the touch of your shot. So when I have him smack that ball and it's transferring up really, really hard or really, really fast, well, he might have to bounce it that way off the pick and roll once in a while or off a hard misdirection move. But then can he get his body coordinated, his ball coordinated, and his touch and his timing to still shoot a really, really accurate shot? So it's almost like we're doing these different movements with the basketball and these different movements with our feet just to be able to stay organized and shoot the same shot with the same touch and the same timing over and over and over again. Take a brief moment to interrupt this podcast to share some information from one of our show supporters. As sports keep coming back, so does your chance to bet on them with our exclusive wagering partner, betonline.ag. Major League Baseball will soon be in full swing, and there are no shortage of ways to get in on the action. BetOnline has all the odds, futures, and props for you to be on. 
Also tune in as Floyd Money Mayweather Weather joins BetOnline team in a new segment called The Ice is Right, where he talks about his expansive jewelry collection. He'll give you the chance to win some great prizes and bet on the cost of his bling. Visit betonline.ag today to check out all the odds and up-to-date sports news. Don't forget to sign up and take advantage of all the welcome back to sports bonuses. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Hey coaches, brief interruption from our podcast to hear from Manscaped.com. 2020 has been the year of things happening that are completely out of your control. But there is one thing that you can control, and that's shaving your bush. You may be surprised how many coaches have already DM'd me about this special offer. I wasn't, because I'm a user and Manscaped.com is definitely worth it. Our sponsors at Manscaped are here to remind you to do so. The Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 is a premium electric trimmer that's designed to give you a confidence boost through body image. Their ceramic blade and skin safe technology are designed to reduce nicks and tugs on your fellows down low. The Lawnmower 3.0 is also waterproof and comes with an LED light so you can manscape in the shower, in the dark, or in a dark shower, whatever floats your boat. Go to manscaped.com and check out some of these life-changing products. In fact, listeners of this show will get 20% off plus free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code armchair. It's time to grab 2020 by the horns by shaving that front trunk. Now back to the podcast. It's great stuff and it's fascinating. I'm so glad you're sharing this process because the other thing that stood out for me, which I think needs to be highlighted for most coaches is how you didn't give feedback on every repetition and players shouldn't get feedback on every repetition. And in fact, when you're dealing with a player at an expert level, like Damien, you're only going to give feedback when there's like a series of outliers where you're like, okay, now I need to cue him or remind him. But can you talk about that process of providing feedback to a shooter? Jeez, that's, that's tremendous. I think that's the number one area um, younger coaches, trainers, and coaches are lacking in. The, the feedback, the performance-based questions, um, you just use the word cues. That's, that's tremendous. There's, there's so many. What, what we do, actually, Chris, in order to do that, um, we have our cues almost predetermined. We want to speak the same language. Like I, I heard a quote about uh, Rudy Gobey from the Jazz once, and they, were, they, they said um, he speaks three languages. He speaks English, he speaks French, and he speaks Utah Jazz. So we want to speak the same workout language and have those cues and reminders aligned between me, like you just said, the expert player, and even our rebounders or assistants in workouts. So that's always streamlined. So it's we're really, really big on the word alignment. So the things are aligned because, again, going back to what I said earlier, if you have high clarity, you could have high performance. So um, here's actually something we started doing. I, I think I started doing this after we met and connected in Vegas, actually, because it was just an area I had to continue to improve upon and growing as a leader and a communicator. But I started using the word intentional when it came to shooting. Because if, if you try to give a guy, so we're going back to the feel thing or the energy transfer thing, if I give him two or three things to think about or feel, that's too many. If I could give him one thing and we could be intentional about laying that out before the workout, like before it even starts, like, hey, every day today or every time today when we smack the ball, I want to feel you gather it 
with your knees, elbows, and ball together. Knees, elbows, ball together. That's your one job. That's all you got to worry about. I'll coach you on everything else. And Chris, like, I don't know if that's too simplistic or I'm just not smart enough, but it seems like every time I gave them one thing to do, and we were, again, going back to that buzzword intentional, and we had the same cue, they accelerated their progress so much in that area that I could coach them on one or two other things and too much stuff wasn't in their head. Does that make sense? Tremendous. So let me let me put this in some other terms for you too. So first of all, simplistic is smart. Like I think sim- simple is a sign of smart. And I think that's, again, that's a process. Not all trainers start there, but as they get more experience, as they get reps, they get simpler because they get smarter. And then the other part that I want to say is this intention. Like there's so many ceremonies and stuff like that, uh, you know, plant-based healing or spirituality or whatever it is. There's these intentions that you start these ceremonies with intention. And I've always thought the same shooting needs to start with an intention. And that's what you're going to work on because learning is a conscious process. But as you said already, you can't be conscious about everything because that screws you up more. So I love that you sent these intentions and then your players speak the language. Absolutely. And and that's probably been one of the biggest takeaways for um, when people do come and watch workouts. And because like, I love, I love sharing, obviously, you know, love doing this with you. And because I think we could all um, impact people more and impact players more. And there's enough players to go around, you know, it doesn't mean like there's not this whole competition for clients, players, but the, the biggest takeaway that, cause I, I try to learn from these coaches that come to our workouts, learn what we do well, learn what sticks out to them. But the, the biggest takeaway I get from a lot of coaches that come is, is that, um, one, we have a language that we speak, like we have a, a certain terms and then two, everyone uses it. So as much as like, and, and I've consulted with some division one staffs this year and helping them design a player development blueprint or come up with stuff is like, Hey, you have some terms for your offensive philosophy or for your defensive philosophy, but player development wise, you you need some terms as well. And you guys got to speak the same language because, um, I mean, Chris, if you and I took, uh, you know, Wes Matthews to the gym and we're working on the same thing and you and I are in, you know, in partnership of working them out and you tell him how to, you know, lock his elbow one way, and I tell them how to lock it a different way. Like, I, I just don't think that message is going to be clear enough. And it's our job to provide clarity to these players. And, and the biggest thing that most coaches give us feedback on is that our language sticks out to them. That's great. And, and then the other part that goes with this is that it streamlines your communication with them when you're not with them. Because that's part of your responsibilities, too, that you're constantly communicating with them, even when you're not with them in terms of noticing progress or giving them some of these cues that they should become more conscious of to be able to improve. Absolutely. That, that, that collaboration is key and, and, and it has to grow more, you know, cause kind of, you know, we were talking a little bit before, but not being able to work with some of these guys in the bubble or, you know, one guy asked if this was the longest time or longest stretch I'd ever went without w- working with some of these guys and that collaboration for coaches to drop their ego for coaches to work together and then for everyone to be on the same page with the plan to, to develop a player is absolutely vital to their success because it's about them. If it's ever about you or your plan or your like, it's just, it, it's going to be a, a little bit of a roadblock in the way of their success. And as we know, it, it's already hard enough to be good. Like I, I always tell our guys, like they'll get done with the work and they're like, man, that was tough. I'm like, yeah, it's really hard to be good. 
And they just look at me and they go, yep. And I go, it's even harder to be great. And they just kind of shake their head. But the more we could collaborate and get everything together with these teachers, especially when it comes to shooting the basketball and building range, it's, it's absolutely vital for their success. So that, I mean, the shot versus OKC, I mean, since then we've seen similar shots from him and everything with it. So what is the real barrier to get a player like that to be able to shoot that shot with confidence? Is it, is it the physical barrier or is it more the mental barrier? He's great question again. Um, number one, I would say uh, to start off, it's the work. Um, Dame hits that shot against OKC. You know, he hit one just this last week after you and I had talked about this, uh, this podcast, he talked, um, he pulls up from the logo, you know, whatever it was a week after you and I talk about doing this and, um, the work he puts in with the amount of detail, Chris, that these guys are like the player, um, uh, that, that's out here in Phoenix right now, who's not in the bubble, the amount of detail, effort and concentration they put in daily is not for everyone. Like it really takes a lot of work. Um, and, and it takes a lot of work to get results that will sustain that. So, um, you know, Kurt Goldsberry just tweeted that Dame has the highest shooting percentage um, and way, way more attempts from 30 feet or further. It, it, it's not even close, but that is a direct translation uh, from the work he's put in the foundation shooting series we do. And then the, the other part of the, the kind of secret sauce or the formula is the commitment he makes to his body. He works out with trailblazer strength coaches and he has another private strength coach. He'll go to hot yoga. He'll eat better. It's all those little commitments that just give you a chance to do it. And um, I think we've all heard that like the work is the price of admission. It is so freaking hard for these guys uh, to do this stuff. One example I'd give you, I'm working at a a point guard who's probably going to be a first round pick. He went through a whole foundation shooting series workout. We have three different types of workouts. We call it a skill workout, uh, a shooting workout, and then just a development, you know, slow pace, teaching, all of that. Our shooting foundational workout, the kid did it. He went up to my assistant after. He's going to be a first round pick. And he goes, man, Phil didn't even have me run around. I'd even run today or go, you know, move around with moves. And I'm just drenched and I'm drained. And it was because of the focus, the intensity, and the body work you have to put in to build your range the right way and to shoot your shot the same way every time. And then it gets in, the the next step would be that mental factor to be able to have the confidence to shoot it. Well, and he does. (laughs) And it's awesome. And, uh, you know, this has also got to be the hard process. Some of your other clients probably like, hey, I want you to help me extend my range. But as you said, like we've got to focus first on making what you're good at even better and not worry about some of these other things yet. And can you talk about that process of getting your players to understand the periodization process of this this development? Yeah, I think that's uh, something going back to that word intentional. That is something we are intentional about from the get go uh, regarding this process, especially in extending your range. Um one of the great examples I give um, to them is like, hey, this this stuff isn't Jimmy John's. And they're like, what? Sandwiches? I'm like, yeah, you don't type it into your phone. 
Go sit on your couch and 15 minutes they show up with your sandwich to the door. You don't do this stuff for two weeks with us in Phoenix. Then all of a sudden you could shoot consistently um, from five feet behind the three-point line. So we are absolutely intentional um, explaining how much work you have to put in, the time frame you put in, the commitment and the discipline and focus level you have to have rep to rep because what everyone sees, and I'm not trying to be like Mr. Basketball motivational coach here, but we all go through this and we have to get our players and other coaches have to see this. Like everyone loves the results, but not everyone loves the work. Like everyone sees what Dame is doing now, shooting it from deep, but they don't see how long it took them because essentially just kind of quick time frame and, you know, a little bit of the story behind it. Four years ago, five years ago, I can't remember exactly what it was. That's when we started this whole foundation shooting series of building his base, building his legs, and, and uh, increasing his release point. He used to have a really, really low release point, um, even going back to college. So we started this foundation shooting series. Like I said, 10 types of shots for base and balance, 10 off the bounce, and you know, shooting through the basketball to increase those. Then after the Pelicans um, swept the Trailblazers, we knew it would be a weapon and he could add a weapon if he could shoot it further out. That means they had to guard him furthermore, which creates more plays on the backside. You know that hit the hit the roller, let them go play four on three. Um, also, the shot he hit just the other day past the logo, um, he mentioned it in his postgame uh, interview on the court. He said like, hey, I was making the right play. We're trying to make the team pay, but I'm not just going to sit back here and not try to do something to win the game. And that's why he wanted a weapon. Hey, if you're not going to pick me up two or three feet after half court, I'm going to have a weapon just to shoot it from here. So along with that, that's two years, two full years of work. He's been doing this to shoot it that far out where some guys think they can come and train with us for a summer or just watch a couple workouts, go do it with their kids and their kids are going to apply it that season. It never works that way. Like I said, essentially we started the foundation shooting series four or five years ago. Now we've been doing the extend the range four point line, build it way out for two full years to get the guy to this point. And right from the get go, we got to be intentional about how hard that process is and, and the time frame it takes to work. What I imagine in this example too, it's like, like how it's, it's not going to happen every possession for him. So this is, this is really next level detail for a player at that level who would need that. And many of your other players wouldn't need that, which is obviously understandable too, because neither their coach nor their teammates would want them to shoot that shot. But within what they do, are there some other examples? You, we talked about extending range for Dame. For some of your other players, are there other, other examples of some of these things that you're now working on for three, four years from now? Yeah, absolutely. Um, especially with the younger guys. Re- really, really good question. Um, some of them, I think we, we, we've done a good job at looking at some must-haves or some skill set absolutes for those guys, younger players, whether they're rookies in the NBA, um, kids with the USA Junior National Team, or even, you know, very few of the college and high school guys I work with. But Chris, there's just such an element to looking at what skill absolutes are they going to need to be the best player 
and the best version of themselves and the role they will be in. Because when you look at it, and, and that's where people get confused. Like you, you could develop range. Well, not everyone gets as many shots as Dame and get trapped after half court or a guy like Steph. Like those are high usage, high volume guys. And there's only two on every team maybe two and a half. So we, we've had some younger guys, like a great example, Anthony Simons with the Portland Trailblazers. He didn't play at all his rookie year. It was almost like his redshirt year. He played quite a bit this year, but him and other guards, younger guards, them being able to shoot um, a three pick and roll wise off the dribble, I think it's going to be an elite or absolute skill set that the best guards are going to have and not best meaning high usage. And, and I've had NBA teams reach out about that. They're like, how do we find more guys who could shoot a three off the, off the pick and roll off the dribble, or how do we develop that? So those are things we want to have on a list in our back pocket that are going to take one, two, three years where, man, maybe we're only shooting 31% off the pick and roll off the dribble. But in two years of constantly working on this and getting our steps right, our base right, using foundation shooting, then we'll get to a point where we could shoot this at a high clip, 36% or higher. Yeah. This, this is fun stuff. I mean, just to again hear that process and, and, and again, give perspective. I think most coaches know that uh, success is not cheap and that you have to earn it through obviously daily repetitions and work and all that, but just some of these details that go into that. And maybe uh, just as some general questions here, as we wind this down, what, what are, what are some of the most common hurdles you encounter in developing a player? Uh, great, great question. Um, I, I think there's there, there's a couple you could look at, or a couple ways you could look at it. One, mindset wise, and two, skill set wise. I would say this, skill set wise, the two absolutes in developing a player that hold them back so much from doing just the next progression or getting them better in certain areas. And this is going to sound crazy, but like that's why I love. Like I've coached at every level. I coached JV high school mid-major, low-major, high-major college basketball, work with professional players, coach with the Thunders G League team. And so much of what we do, Chris, can truly be done at every level. You might not be the elite guys like a Damian uh, or a CJ McCollum or a Wes Matthews, guys like that who are just unbelievably special. But the two skill traits that hold these kids back so much that I think coaches should do more, one, weekend development, just hard pounds, finishing around the rim with their weak hand, basic passing, not crazy crap, but basic passing with their left hand, and then footwork stuff. Base, we, we call it rips, pivots, and jabs, but to be able to have a base and full movements, like those two things we work on every single workout, like until you're good. at. If you're not adequate in those areas, we're going to do it all the time. And then the other thing that really holds guys back uh, developmentally, like I'm speaking to uh, a couple division ones this week, like their teams, you know, on a little Zoom call. But um, I think two things. These are so huge, and I see it over and over and over again. And it's the two biggest battles we got to fight with guys. One, immaturity, and two, insecurity. Guys who are immature, it is hard to coach them. It is hard to get them better. It's hard to get them to buy in. Going back to what you've hit numerous times on this podcast is like the amount of work and the amount of time it takes to get better, the buy-in. Immature guys don't do that. And then 
insecure guys. Insecure guys lack confidence. Insecure guys are afraid to make mistakes. Like uh, another phrase we have in workouts, and we give this to all of our players on a little slide when they get here, but we applaud mistakes. If you're going hard, if you're outside your comfort zone, if you're working on a new skill that maybe you haven't mastered yet, like we're going to applaud those mistakes if you're attacking it with a level of focus and a level of, like I said, maturity as well. But if you're insecure working on those things, it it's unbelievable. And, and here's a great story. Like, uh, I don't think I've told you this one. I was working out uh dame one time and he's working on left hand just little touch shot runners floaters and he was missing more than he was making this was just a few years ago he was missing more than he was making one of the top nba development coaches who was on a team and he works with literally one of the top 10 players in the league he asked to come to the workout and we let him watch the workout just like you came in vegas and there were probably eight people in the gym. Dame was at one end with me, two guys, NBA guys had just finished a workout. And of course, everyone's kind of peeking on Dame and he missed more than he made. I walked over there and this was unbelievable. The player development coach from the NBA team goes, my guy wouldn't do that. And I go, what do you mean? Do what? Work on his left hand? He goes, no, no, no. He wouldn't work on it and make that many mistakes in front of a gym like this because people would be watching them. Mm. I'm like, no way. And so I just really think immature and insecure players, it's, it's really hard to develop them. And then same thing skill-wise with footwork and ball handling, that holds so many players back from progressing to the next level, uh, level of their development basketball-wise. That, what a tremendous story that highlights that. That's, that's, that's such an important thing. So um, I'm curious since I've got you, what, I don't know if you can speak to this, but some, what are some possible developing trends do you see in player development or maybe approach it from where do you think the next big breakthrough in player development occurs? Right now, I mean, just because part of the reason we're doing this podcast is because there's been so much attention and questions and people reaching out of, about extending, um, extending your range. Um, I, I think it's going to be shooting the basketball just because so many people can't do it. Um, the, the guards, like, here's a question I would ask you just about every really, really good player in the NBA or college basketball. If you can't shoot the ball off the pick and roll, um, man, you're just not going to be very good. So I think shooting. And then to be honest, I think, uh, and this wasn't planned, but I'm, I'm going to give you a, a shout out here. Decision making. How can you, we, 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 that question comes up in all of our meetings with the USA junior national team, but like, how do you make kids better decision makers? How can you do that developmentally? Is it film study? Is it your reaction type drills that you have? Is it, uh, communication based like that? And there's different philosophies on it. Sometimes I think kids can't make decisions because their absolutes, their foundational strength and skill level isn't high enough. But then sometimes they can't make decisions because they don't see the play. But I think shooting the ball and decision making, those are the things that just keep coming up. And we have this phrase too, with, with motivating players, the, the coaches we like, I've been working with coaches and develop them. They come to our workouts and we always have a phrase, when everyone's saying the same thing, it's probably true. If everyone's telling you the same thing, it's probably true. If they say you got bad body language, you got bad body language, you got bad body language, and you're the only one who doesn't say that, well, you're probably the one that's wrong. Or like a lot of the stuff you do with basketball immersion, like kids don't make good enough decisions. Players don't make good enough decisions. They can't read and react. They All these different things, like 
well, it's probably true. Our game is probably highly lacking in those areas. So, yeah, shooting the basketball and decision-making, I think those are going to be the separators the next five to ten years at, at all levels of basketball. Well, that's great to hear. And, and, I'm, and I'm happy even those conversations are happening behind the scenes at, say, USA Basketball and all these different places because, again, you can't separate skills from decisions because – they happen together in the game. And that's, that's been the biggest part I've seen. So with some of your workouts now, how are you incorporating more decision-making? Because I assume it's got to do with that. You can bring in extra people now to be able to create situations for a player. Yeah, it's tough. And that, that's an area I'm really trying to get better at. That's why I'll watch your stuff sometimes when it comes up, um, try to study, try to pick people's brains. Um, the, the best thing we, we've done is, is looking at it um, in, in, in two aspects, and it goes back to what you hit earlier, being one, if you're a dynamic, high-usage player decision-making, or two, if you're just a basic role player, um, you're still on step one or two of decision-making. And with both of those, we try to be so intentional about we, what we work on. So when we do, yeah, we'll, we'll line up other guys um, – whether it's called read and react, drive and kick, there's a million different terms. But what we'll do with players before we work on that on the court with extra hand, extra hands or extra coaches on the court, um, you know, they help from the corner, pass it to the corner, skip it one more, whatever it may be. We will show them a film example of them doing it right, of them doing it wrong, or if they haven't done it, we will show them an example of a different player doing it. So they visually see all 10 guys on the court, they visually see the help that they see the whole picture. They see the map of where we're going before we get out there and do it with just three or four guys on the court and doing that um, has just been really, really good for our guys. And it's been really, really good for us. I love that. I love that. And I look forward to hopefully our third podcast where maybe we can just dive into this decision-making and this process to incorporate it into, into player development workouts. Because again, I do think that's a frontier that can be improved significantly for players and, and also to make their, their workouts more, more engaging in some ways too, which is again, directly seeing what you're just said, directly seeing this to this, this happened on video, and then this is how it can happen in a game. And this is how we're going to work on it in workouts. Absolutely. I think if we do do that third podcast, I'm going to have to interview you on that though, because that's the area I'm trying to learn in and grow in. And, and you've been crushing that. So that, that, that would be fun though. That'd be so fun. Uh, look, Phil, I cannot thank you enough. I mean, this has been tremendous and just the insights and everything else that go with it. So um, coach, again, I can't thank you enough for spending time with us and sharing all these details. Uh, we really appreciate you. Thanks for having me. Like I said, I'm a, I'm a big believer in what you do, what you're about. Um, you know, I had a lot of opportunities to talk about this stuff um, with other groups or podcasts and wanted to do it with you because you truly grow the game. You go to a deeper level. And, and I know a lot of coaches listen who want to get better. So I'm, I'm humbled that you'd have me and really grateful that, that you keep putting me on. Tremendous. Thanks for listening. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and to give the basketball podcast and this week's guest a shout out on social media to show your support for us sharing the game. And to stay up to date on all things Basketball Immersion, subscribe to our newsletter at basketballimmersion.com newsletter.